So a couple of quick thoughts as we uh, as we get closer to the new year. Um, at, actually, let me do this. As always, this is Anthony Vaughn bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. But yeah, a couple of quick thoughts as we enter the new year. Um, I've been I've been spending more time reading. Um, I've been spending more time polishing my skills, polishing my perspectives, and just having a vulnerable moment once again, like I often do. I find myself, I find myself tiptoeing between should I double down on what I think I actually am and what I know and what I can bring to this world of HR, employee experience, high performing teams, OD, or should I, or should I pat my stats, if you will, and 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 build more capabilities that are a little bit more traditional, right? Um, and I don't know the right answer, but I know that today, as I'm studying and as I'm reading, thoughts come to me that are natural. And there's slight little tweaks and adjustments that I think most organizations can make. And I think most organizations are not making. And I feel like if I'm going into an organization or if anyone's listening that is a head of people, a chief people officer, a CEO, a head of a department, um, these are slight adjustments that you can make that can really make an impact, that can really make a difference. So um, I just have a few thoughts that I would love to share. Again, um, they're not radical, crazy changes. They're not changes that are going to um, completely shock you, but um, but they are changes, again, that I do believe are subtle enough or different enough that will make a pretty decent impact. So I think the first change that I want to kind of talk about is um, some things that can happen in the onboarding process. And I've talked about this before, but I kind of want to give a little bit more of a perspective around it. There's a percentage that I'm looking for, actually, as I'm clicking through the 95 tabs that I have open in my computer. Um, there's a percentage that I want to read to you. I believe it says 29% of new hires say they say they do not feel fully prepared. Oh, I'm sorry. 29% of new hires say they do feel fully prepared and supported um, after their onboarding experience. Now, I've talked about this before. One subtle adjustment, one literal subtle adjustment that should happen, that could happen. A survey should be handed out at the end of whatever you deem the onboarding process. So if you're onboarding someone in your HR team, if you're onboarding someone in your operations team, your engineering department, I don't care what department, what function in the business you're onboarding them on. At the end of that quote unquote onboarding period, you should be bringing that person a survey, right? That survey should be probably 10 to 15 questions outlining emotional, psychological preparation, comfortability, and somewhat tactical variables that will point to them being ready, right? Because inevitably your goal as an organization is once they're done the onboarding process, you want them to be ready to actually make some impact. Now, we all assume that most leaders inside of companies won't expect that these new hires are gonna be fully ready, AKA like literally the best people in the company or even close to the best people at the company or even close to the best or the middle of the pack of the company. But I think it's fair to say that most people, most leaders, most managers, most organizations want these new hires to be somewhat competent. And I will also admit 
that most leaders, most managers, most department leaders, most orgs are not as honest with themselves about how good they actually need the person to be contextual to the time. So let me give you a really practical example. I brought this up multiple times before. If right now, if I'm looking to bring on, like this is actually a perfect example. I had a really significant shift in my beyond brand social signal business. Okay. I was in the process and I think I landed on someone. I was in the process of looking for someone that could help me build a new platform. I'm going to keep it broad. That platform takes some design skills, some coding skills, some knowledge around systems and HR. I mean, there's a variety of skills that this person would need. Emotionally, in my heart, in my soul, and this is all ego, and a lot of leaders are not raising their hands and admitting this, and I'm admitting this right now. In my soul, in my heart, connected to where I want and what I need from the business, selfishly, of course, I need that person, that individual to be fully ready and competent day one, like at a 90%. If there's a couple of mistakes, of course, I will have empathy. I will love that person. I will love that, that, uh, that individual. I will support that person. But my gut, my desire, I need it to be at an 80, 90%. It's very similar to the question that I asked yesterday in an interview. I asked an organization, I said, you know, founder to founder here for a moment. Tell me what percentage of this job description do you need me to walk in day one and completely crush? Because I know at the end of the day, certain elements of where you are right now within your organization gives you anxiety. Certain elements just internally you need to be at an A level. Certain elements you just personally need, again, out of pure selfishness, you need me to crush immediately. There is no ramp up time. You need me to jump in and get the job done immediately. And so I think as you think about onboarding, most companies, most leaders, just as a small little caveat, are not even admitting that part and are not even communicating that part within the onboarding process. So that's in itself is a slight adjustment that can make a big difference. If you're onboarding anybody into your company for whatever role, Right. Like for another example, I'm supporting a company that um, that I support and that I love and I appreciate called MindStand. You know, I've been an advisor to those kids and to those grown men now in that organization and that startup for a number of years now. And I'm jumping on helping out with some partnership work. I know because I asked a question and Michael was pretty good at bringing this up proactively, but most companies aren't. I know the elements of the role that are like, hey, zero ramp up time. Like I need this person to, to do the job immediately. Cameron Harold is amazing at talking about this as well. Cameron Harold talks about how he supports leaders around not putting out any role that they know internally they need to crush based off of their financial goals or whatever goal that the organization has and look for folks that have actually been there, done that tangibly with the context of that company. So again, if you have a sports agency and you represent athletes in the NFL and the Canadian league as well, 
it would probably make sense if you have a personal desire to have zero ramp up time. Like this person needs to crush it day one because of your business goals. It would make a lot of sense that you steal someone, poach someone from the exact type of department that you want this person to be in, in your side of your, in your company from the exact size of the organization or bigger organization, because maybe you want to steal processes that that individual knows and that's where you're looking to go and that's where you're tracking to go. You see my point? Like, so number one, that's a slight adjustment that needs to happen into the onboarding process. You need to bake in that language. You need to bake in that transparency. You need to bake in that honesty. You need to bake in that moment. Getting to the end of the onboarding though, put out a survey, that has five to 10 questions that allude to psychologically, emotionally, comfortability-wise, are you ready? Are you ready? And define for that new employee what ready looks like, right? Now, if you have a somewhat of a good employee, they're gonna be honest with you. If you're a great leader and you've created psychological safety, they're really gonna be honest with you. So let's assume you do that and let's assume you have a great employee. If they say no and they give you detailed examples of why the answer is no, I believe that you need to have a grace period. I believe you need to have a process where you've baked in mentally, psychologically, emotionally, as well as tactically an extended period of time where you can re-onboard them and re-support them. That means you've talked to other stakeholders in the company, other departments in the company, other players that were involved in the onboarding process. That means you already have processes and learning and development tools and moments where you've designed them exactly for the purpose of doubling down. That's a slight adjustment that most companies don't have. Most companies are not asking directly, are you ready? Are you prepared? Most companies are not creating enough psychological safety to get a true and honest answer. Most companies do not have processes built, ready to go, to support and implement a grace period and an extension. And that's a slight adjustment that most companies need to take advantage of. It's a slight adjustment that does not cost money, but that's not true, it does cost money because all time of anybody's time inside of an organization costs money. But it's an adjustment that is really important to put, put in place it's an, it's an adjustment that will make an incredibly big difference in potentially your retention, um, your productivity in the first 90 days of that new hire. And, and when I say first 90 days, I'm talking the first real 90 days. It'll show that new hire and that new employee that psychological safety, trust, honesty, love, support, empathy means more than the selfish desires of the company. And it will show that that new employee that this is the right place to be and that they will support someone not getting it immediately. Someone not having it all figured out immediately from day one. And that is the type of love and support and trust that any human being in the world wants and needs and appreciates. And that will start to send a ripple effect throughout the company and throughout that new hires network that can do a lot of good for your employer branding and some other metrics that you can track as well. So that's a slight adjustment that I think most companies are not taking advantage of. The last final adjustment that I think a lot of organizations are not taking advantage of 
is as we look into leadership and critical behaviors and how we're supporting our our teams overall. I was reading this article by actually I'm on the wrong article. Here it is. And this is not the right article either. Let me see. I want to find it. Yeah, I think this. Yeah, I was reading this article called by McKenzie, and they were diving into pretty much what behaviors, what are key behaviors that leadership teams need to be effective. And they were talking about all these different behaviors and all these different moments and all these different factors. A couple of factors that they pointed out that I just want to dive into again that most companies are not doing that is incredibly substantial that you do. And it's simple and it's a tweak and it's adjustment is the following. They said, make, they said, they said, take the time to renew and evolve and innovate learning and build an individual and team-wide development. I've talked about this before. Anytime you have anyone inside of an organization, inside of a team, you should understand how each individual learns. You should understand the different modes of learning. You should understand the different communication styles of learning that work for them. You should understand the types of systems and processes and literal personalities that can support them in their best way. You need to have that data to make sure that when you do need to go into a renewing or evolving or innovating or learning from a broader context and new development within teams, you have that context to make sure that you're designing the learning moment correctly. They talked about setting agendas and processes and, and priorities and ways of working together. I think most organizations are doing a top-down approach and saying, here are the priorities, here are the agendas, here's the way that we are working. I think in a department, let's call it marketing, I think a CMO is setting those standards. I think a tweak that, could, that most organizations could take is, what do we believe the priorities are? What do we believe the, the agenda should be? getting context from the from the other counterparts and the other stakeholders within the team, genuinely understanding the ways of working of each and every team member, tangibly, understanding communication styles, decision-making preferences, workflow styles, understanding their strengths, their flaws, tangibly, realistically. Who's great at putting together decks and systems and processes? Who's great at just bringing energy and innovation to the meetings and the conversations who's great at ideation and new ideas who's great at being really patient and just sitting back and thinking and pausing who's great at just bringing everyone together and making every single little piece of the puzzle fit great leaders and great teams and great departments understand these understand these moments and again slight tweaks and slight adjustments that most teams are not taking advantage of so i think as I think about high-performing teams, as I think about the critical behaviors and leaders, as I think about onboarding, there are many little slight tweaks and adjustments that companies can take advantage of, that leaders can take advantage of, that people are just simply not. And again, they're not radical. They're not mind-blowing. They're not even something that I think people would even expect to either pay for or expect to be a crazy change management process but they are needed. And I do believe the head of people or someone in the company at the executive level should be stewarding these slight adjustments and changes and tweaks. Because these tweaks and adjustments and changes can be connected to retention, can be connected to smoother conversations and communication, can be connected to 
getting products built and designed and executed services built and designed and executed customers more happy, higher levels of revenue generated, a lot of good can happen. And we need to respect that. We need to respect a lot of good happening and not just doing things the way we as organizations think it should be done. We need to take an employee's first mentality moving into 2022. I don't believe it's no, I don't, I genuinely don't believe it's an option any longer. And I believe that, and this probably could be just from my selfish point of view based off of my flaws, but I believe my flaws are a strength and I'm trying to force myself to look at it from that angle. Our chief people officers need to make slight tweaks and innovations and stop doing the tried and true. When we look at leveling, when we look at our compensation, when we look at equitable environments, when we look at our teams, when we look at leadership training and development, when we look at leader, you know, learning and development, when we look at um, when we look at our policies, we need to stop doing the tried and true. We need to stop thinking back on what Sherm taught us in that course three years ago. We need to stop thinking back to what we learned in grad school. We need to stop thinking back of what we always were taught from our leaders and our and our mentors. Do what's best for your people today. Make slight tweaks and adjustments that make good humanistic sense. Make slight tweaks and adjustments that are connected to retention, that are connected to putting your people's mindset and perspectives and hearts first. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Because if you have the people that are really engaged with what you're doing and they feel safe and they feel honest about what they can contribute, everyone's going everyone's to win. Everyone's going to take care of, be taken care of. Everyone's going to benefit. So heads of people, chief people officers, CEOs, let's definitely make sure we have the traditional in place. But let's start getting more excited about slight tweaks and adjustments and innovations to some of our processes that impact our people and our leaders. Thanks so much.